Welcome to The Q Word, a podcast about the tips, trends, and taboos of emergency nursing, where we pull the hospital curtain back on issues that emergency nurses and their patients often think about but seldom talk about. You found the Q Word Podcast. Hey everyone, Lisa here. Nisa and I were so excited about the latest guest that we have on the podcast that we kind of just jumped right into our interview without stopping to introduce her properly. So let me do that right now. We got the chance to talk to Carolyn Jones, photojournalist and documentary filmmaker, best known, at least in terms of our podcast, for her 2014 film, The American Nurse, which according to the write-up on her website, carolynjones.com, aims to elevate the voice of nurses in this country by capturing their personal stories through photography and film. Her next film, Defining Hope, released in 2017, is a story about people weighing what matters at the most fragile junctures in life and the nurses who guide them. We're also excited about her newest project, the upcoming film, In Case of Emergency, where Carolyn Jones focuses her laser vision even more tightly on the work that's done in the ER. Furthermore, Carolyn is going to be the keynote speaker at the upcoming Emergency Nurses Association Conference in Austin, Texas, from September 27th to October 2nd. Nisa and I are going to be there talking about the podcast and handing out stickers and meeting some of our fans for tacos, but you'll also get the opportunity to hear Carolyn talk more in depth about her work shining a light on the important work that nurses do. Without further ado, here's our interview. That's great. So uh, I saw your uh, documentary and listened to your TED Talk yesterday, so seeing you um, on my computer screen is it's very exciting. Well, that's a lot of Carolyn Jones in a short period of time, I can say that. (laughs) (laughs) I can't think of anyone I would rather spend the time with, except for my very good friend, Nisa. Well, thank you. (laughs) So, Nisa, take it away. So, thanks again for giving us a little bit of your time. I am recovering from a cold, so I'm a little sniffly and cloggy, but I apologize for that. But I uh, wouldn't miss it. So, we are really excited to have you for the podcast for a little while. Um, I listened to you first on the ENA podcast and just loved what you had to say about emergency nursing and was telling Lisa all about it. And then as a best friend would do two days later in the mail, I got your book she had sent to me. So, uh, I'm bringing that to Austin so you can, uh, (laughs) sign that happily. So we have a, a podcast that we started a little over a year ago for emergency nurses, Uh, I went out looking to listen to a podcast on emergency nursing, and I just didn't find one. And so I was listening to ER physicians, and I was listening to paramedics, and I just kept feeling the frustration of, you know, this would be a little bit different for nurses. This is what it would mean for nursing. And so finally, I was like, hell, I'll just do it myself. Lisa is not a nurse. She is a layperson. So she represents our spouses and best friends and loved ones who both marvel and are disgusted at what we do at different times. Uh, But she's also a little bit like you, that she's been around it so much that she's in many ways an honorary nurse. (laughs) People also go to her for advice. Yes. (laughs) So that's what our project is. We are having a blast with it and getting a lot of really good feedback and response from 
the emergency communities. We do focus on emergency nurses. We have other nurses that listen in other uh, specialties, and we do have medics, physicians, techs, but our, our focus really is ER nurses. So that's just a little bit about us. Thanks. Well, we have that in common, that focus on ER nurses right now. So Mm -hmm. happy to be able to participate. That's great. That's right. But you started with nurses in general, is that correct? I did. Yes. That's a a whole story in and of itself, actually, the beginning of this fascination. And it was really uh, in a nutshell because I had a great nurse when I had breast cancer. And she was just uh, gifted at knowing what to say to make me feel normal and to help me get through it all. And so I developed a kind of fascination for nurses. And then a few years later, I was asked to do a book. And, uh, and that's where it became a passion. It went from a fascination to, wait a second here, there's an entire profession out there that produces people that are non-judgmental and are able to care for us. And that is really beautiful. So it has uh, been my driving force ever since. Uh, in your TED Talk, you were uh, discussing the gentleman who's in the picture behind you. Um, oh, and Jason. Yes, Jason. Yes. I go everywhere with Jason, pretty much, you know. It's a great photograph. Jason is a rock star. He's Yeah. He's a rock star. For so many reasons, you, yeah. You mentioned specifically about how difficult it was for him, um, at least in his, culturally speaking, that, that the idea of being a nurse was, you know, not exactly like a given for, for where he comes from. Um, and that, I thought, was a, a really interesting observation that you made about that and how he still managed to find this deep, this need to care for people that he seemed to have learned while working on cars and then realized, well, I can bring these, the same skill set to the human body and care for them as well. That, that's a fascinating story. It is. It's a brilliant story. I mean, you know, if as if you can imagine being in the Appalachian Mountain and his dad was like running a car repair shop and they are all covered in, you know, tires and everything macho that you can think of. And Jason was just so forthcoming about his reservations about even telling anybody he wanted to be a nurse, let alone hauling off and becoming one. Mm-hmm. And here it is all these years later, and he just became a nurse practitioner. Wow. And his, is that right? Yeah. And his dad left him that garage when he passed on. And it is Jason's dream to turn it into a community health center. So he he understands his community so well and cares for them in one way, shape, or form. So now he's hoping to care for them in, in terms of health. I find it all really beautiful. Wow. One of the things I've noticed since I've started doing this with Nisa is just how marginalized the idea of a nurse is. Um, because, you know, well, if you're going to be in the medical profession, why not just be a doctor. So you're a nurse if you couldn't cut it as a doctor. And that is such a misconception and so unfair to these professionals who in many ways have to be more capable because of all of the many tasks that they take on aside from just what the doctor does. And I'm interested in your project and how I think it's helping to um, expand the, the conversation about nurses and bring them out of the shadows and, and, and focus on them as uh, professionals in an industry that by their own right deserve the same kind of respect that any other first responder, any other medical professional or professional period should have. 
Well, I think you touched on a couple of things there that are really interesting. You know, at the beginning of this, Nisa, you said that you've been searching out there for some kind of emergency nurse podcast and we're not able to come up with anything. But you came up with other things, right? You came up with stuff about doctors and techs and who knows what else and EMTs. This is, I think, a... Uh, a shortcoming. Uh, it, the, the public is who actually kind of misses the boat uh, the most uh, because we don't get to hear nurses' stories. And, and, and nurses happen to be, in my opinion, and I've been interviewing people my whole life, the best storytellers I have ever encountered in my life. There's this kind of earthiness to the conversations and the stories and it's just real and authentic just through and through it's one of the things that grabs me and won't let me go about who nurses are and how they function and how they think and how they talk to people and how they understand us so i think that um because we as a country right now don't cherish these extraordinary qualities in anyone let alone nurses, I personally am finding a huge shortage of decency in our country and on the planet in general, but in particular here because I live here. And here we have this incredible group of people like right here in front of us who are the most decent human beings I've ever met, the best storytellers, funny as hell, and just sort of have <laughs> this whole like way of looking at life that's unique and probably the only people in the medical community that look at us holistically because of the development of technology and how complicated it is right so if you're a nurse i mean if you're a doctor or you're a tech or whoever else whatever other role you're playing um and you're dealing with that technology everybody's specialized so we no longer have someone looking at us and looking at our whole body, at our support system, at our communities, at our society. And so this has like grabbed me that I think we're all missing the boat, man. I think we need to like wake up and know what's going on with nurses and what they think about, what do you think about war? I mean, nurses take care of returning war veterans that come back missing limbs and with post-traumatic stress disorders. What do you think about school systems when kids don't have breakfast or dinner and the only meal of the day is lunch? You know, what? What they should be involved in everything from where I sit. I mean, I think our country would certainly be a whole lot better off. But the thing is, it's such an insulated profession. You've got HIPAA rules. Nobody really know, wants to know what you did today, honestly. I mean, I've seen enough of it to know that I barely want to know what you did today. And I'm listening loud and clear. Um, but it's hard stuff. And so you keep it in and you, you know, go home from work that day and you put it away and you bring it back out the next day when you walk into, into your work situation. So we need to shine a light on it. And I, that's why I love that you're doing this podcast, why I'm always eager to participate in any way I can as an outsider looking in to the world of nursing so that we can spread the word a little bit. That's great. Lisa, I've hijacked it. You had all these questions prepared. No. I just jumped right in. So. <laughs> it's fine. This is fine. Uh, I Yeah, I think what you said is really important. And one of the things, aside from that idea of the holistic 
care that a nurse provides. I think one of the reasons why we do that is we're really the only healthcare provider that's at the bedside 24-7. You know, the nurses come in and out, respiratory comes in and out, physical therapies in and out, but the nurse is really the one that's there, as you said, putting all those pieces together and who's there 24-7, at least in the hospital setting. So I think that's one of the reasons why we come up as the most trusted profession year after year after year. But um, definitely agreed that our voice is not always heard. And that's one of the goals that you said from both the American Nurse Project and the ER Nursing Project is that you did it twofold. One is that you listened and you're reporting the stories and, and lives of nurses. And two is that then giving giving them the voice. So would you talk about that a little bit? Sure. I mean, look, you know, when I started this, I kind of, you don't, you don't come in as a photojournalist or a documentary filmmaker and say, you know, I'm going to shine a light on your profession. It, it's not really like that. What you really want to do is kind of hand somebody the mic and say, you know, what do you think about this? Um, and, and, and that's really what I want to do with my work is, is it's not about my interpretation of anything. It's about getting people comfortable seeing nurses talking about things that affect us in our everyday lives, really important things that are going on in our country and in the world. And so I think the American public, you know, I, I, I often hear these things, well, we got to get nurses in the boardrooms and we have to get nurses here and there. And, and I keep wanting to say, you know, actually, we need to back up and we really need to introduce the American public to who nurses are. Because if you look at the media and the television shows and the unbelievable amount of crap that's been out there about nurses and the lack of understanding about the profession, it is overwhelming. Right. I, and apparently... Doctors do everything on all of those television shows. They not <laughs> right. only do everything doctors do, but they do everything nurses do. Right. So nobody that's thinks great. nurses do anything. Right. And so, you know, that's kind of where your brain goes. You see this stuff over and over in the media and you start to think, oh, well, you know, the nurse is just cruising in and holding your hand or something. So we don't realize how incredibly well-educated nurses are, and we have no idea what their knowledge base is or what their education is. So I think that, you know, one of the things I want to do is is really go out of my way to find nurse people who can really speak for themselves in this community, in this profession. Um, and, and I think... There's, there's this phenomena that happens when you interview someone for a film and, or for a book. And, you know, I always feel like we're at our best, right, when we kind of have to present ourselves for a photograph or a book. And, um, and, and we, we kind of get our thoughts in order and we, we want to show the profession at its finest and we want to present ourselves well. And that whole process is a very healthy process. When we started doing the American Nurse Book, I swear to you, every single nurse said, now, I don't know why you came to me or why you're photographing me or why you're talking to me. I'm sure there are like three million other people that are more interesting or more (laughs) well-spun. Every time I would have to say, actually, no, you know, your hospital nominated you. Uh, I really want to talk to you about what you've learned and what you do. And, you know, I feel like this kind of happened over and over and over to the point where I started to think, okay, if you're not valued... Right. In the work that you do, if you are very often um, 
trying to say what you want to say from outside the hospital room and waiting for everybody else to leave, it starts to diminish your ability to be able to express yourself and know that it's going to mean something. And, and that's just wrong. Right. That's, that's just bad news. Um, because we need the balance so desperately. And so it's my idea that if I can keep finding these jewels of nurses who are willing to come forward and sit for my camera and talk about what it is, that we can give them a little, just, just a little leg up, just a, just a little boost, and then hopefully they will be more comfortable when the next media opportunity comes along and have their thoughts formulated in a different way. We all learn from those moments when we're interviewed and when we have a chance to tell our story. And, and I, I'm hoping that uh, the nurses that have sat for my camera have eleva- been elevated in some way, shape, or form, or at least feel that. Um, I've certainly been incredibly impressed with every single nurse that I've had the, the privilege to meet. There's a trope about doctors having a God complex. And in my experience with nurses, it's the exact opposite. There's a humility complex yeah. where there's, uh, oh, well, you know, don't, you should be talking to the doctor. You should, uh, you should do this. Or I'm sure there's somebody else who's more important or there's somebody else who's had a harder right. day. And I do think that that's symptomatic of them being uh, marginalized uh, in the public eye and um, in terms of even perhaps in hospitals, which Nisa's told me there's been a lot of advancement in, in terms of how she's able to act when she's in the ER. Um, almost at, at, she is an integral part of the team when they're addressing a, a specific situation. But certainly in the public side, the nurse is the person, as you said in your TED Talk, who comes in and takes your temperature and takes your, uh, takes your blood pressure, and then they leave. And so it's very easy for you to think, well, the only thing a nurse knows how to do is take your temperature and take your blood pressure. Um, and I agree that that is a misconception that needs to be um, overhauled. Yeah, I mean, the one thing that's been really important to me to, to, to be very careful with what we're doing is this can't and shouldn't be about nurses versus doctors or who's better or who's more important. They should be equal and they need equal time. And and I feel very strongly about this for a lot of reasons, but um, not the least of which is, you know, I after I did the American Nurse film, I did a, a film called Defining Hope, which was about the end of life. And the end of life area, that is a place where... Um, nurses need to have a really big voice. And I heard a lot about a lot of moral dilemma in going on in the ICU. And and it troubled me greatly because um, I think that, again, it comes back to technology in a way. It's a very complicated time for us to be alive. And, and we we actually don't think we're going to die. We think we're going to live forever and we don't like to talk about it. And then we plug our loved ones into all this stuff, right? So we need nurses to be able to guide us through end of life and have a really loud voice. And that's a complicated piece of business. So so one of my goals is to show nurses to doctors and say, you know, this is an extraordinary group of people here that you have access to. I um, recently went to a conference that was all about empathy for doctors, and I was surprised that there weren't any nurses there because I kept thinking, 
you guys, the, the nursing profession like embodies empathy. Nobody should have to look very far to go and have a better understanding of what empathy looks like. It's right there. You don't have to like take a course or do anything. It's right there in front of you. So it's very important to me though that there isn't this angst and that I don't add to that. My feeling is doctors have such a voice in the world. They're interviewed all the time. We respect them. We admire them. Heaven knows we need them. Um, I'm just trying to even things out a little bit and give nurses an opportunity to to speak as well. I will say that um, the two places after, gosh, it's been, I've been in this world for nine years. I have a nonprofit foundation I need to get back to at some point, but uh, <laughs> at the moment, I don't seem to be able to let this go. So, um, but um, I, I think that doing this end of life project and then moving into the emergency department, I've been struck by the fact that I've seen incredible teamwork in the emergency departments. Um, and that has been wildly refreshing to hear doctors calling a nurse over for an opinion. And I've witnessed all of that. I've, I've seen all sides of this. It, it, there's a, there's a, a similar teamwork often when it's good at the end of life where people are working together. You know, there's some people, there's some wonderful doctors like Jessica Zitter is a great example of working with the nurses to try to get to the end of life in, in a, in a good way. Um, or in, or in a better way. Uh, and I think in the emergency department, it's just been amazing to me to actually see doctors asking nurses questions and what do you think and what have we done and, and seeing them work together. I, I hadn't seen that before. So that's been actually really rewarding to witness. And I feel a lot better about all of this having seen that. I think that's one of the things that is unique and special about the emergency department. We definitely talk about uh, nursing is a team sport. And we even say, especially when it comes to night shift, because they have to pull together even more than day shift does, that it moves past being a team and onto being a family. Yeah. You might not get along with each other outside of those 12 hours, but during that time, you've got to pull together, you know, because the community can throw anything at you and they will, and you've got to be cohesive team for that part. And that includes all levels of um, licensure and, and expertise. Um, one of the things that I, I did a couple of semesters as a clinical instructor for a, a women's college nursing school, and I had second semester nursing students, and one of the things that I noticed them saying, and I ended up having to banish from the, their vocabulary, is, I'm just a nurse, or I'm going to be just just a nurse. Um, and it's that whole idea of what you were talking about. And, and this is nursing students before they've even gotten into the profession. Somehow they already have that, that feeling of, of just being a nurse. And so we had to reframe that idea. So one of the things that fascinated me, a comment that you made about doing the interviews for the emergency nurses. So you went to seven different locations, everywhere from something very rural to very urban and, and all over the United States. Yeah. Uh, and one of the fascinating things that I loved was that you said, 
oftentimes the nurses that you were interviewing when they found out you were interviewing in other places would say, well, how are they doing it? Well, what are, what are they experiencing? And they wanted to know what was going on with the other ER nurses. And that's, that's something we found in our podcast community as well. So what I was wondering is, do you have a theory about or, or, or a insight as to why nurses wanted to know, did they want to commiserate? Did they want solutions or tips? Did they want, was it a competitive thing? Was it a hive mind kind of thing? What was it that, that had them asking, like, what's going on other places? Well, I think that this environment of the emergency department is, is so tight and enclosed and small. And, you know, I was so stunned by what goes on in an emergency department. And I don't know, I would think that there's some level of post-traumatic stress for every ER nurse because of what you see. Mm -hmm. Um, So here you are, and I'm thinking of one particular night in Detroit where I was in the emergency department and seeing kind of one thing after another. Now, I couldn't always film everything that, uh, you know, we had to have consent and we had, there are a lot of restrictions with this project, which is a whole different story and very complicated uh, project to do. But I was able to see how the team was dealing with these, uh, we would go for a full 12 hours or 14 hour shift, whatever it was. Um, And you could see how everybody worked together. And it is this really tight thing that no one else in the world can actually understand unless you're there. It's And it's like a war zone, right? I mean, it's certainly, I saw some nights that felt like a war zone. So it's what happens with our returning veterans when they come back and they've seen things happen to the human body that we weren't ever supposed to see. and um, And you've heard the the wails of family members standing outside the curtain kind of knowing that someone's dying and the drama and the trauma and and the emotion of it all is overwhelming but it's very it doesn't go beyond those walls those emergency room nurses from what i could see aren't talking to the icu nurses about their day they talk to one another so I think more in a way, you know, I shouldn't tell you your profession, but <laughs> my observation of it is that more than any other kind of nurse, I found this singularity of the emergency department nurses. And so when they leave, it's so otherworldly. They leave and go on and do their day, and that's one world. And then you come back through those doors Kathleen, who's one of the nurses that I met in New Jersey, she said, it feels like home. It, this, it smells right. I know the people. I can't believe anybody would say it smells right. So it's so funny that you say that, that quote, because when I heard you quoting her, I was nodding along. I know exactly the smell she's talking <laughs> about. I know exactly that feeling of this is where I belong. This is where I know how to do things. I know where stuff is. I know what my job is. I knew exactly what she meant when she said, this place is my sick and twisted home. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm away from home. Well, so as a result of that, you've got this like capsule of, you know, this whole group of people that are behind these walls doing this very unique thing that have seen something no one else has seen and they can share that. But they're not, it's, it's a different experience in Iowa than it is in Detroit 
than it is in Oregon and it is in New Jersey. And yet, the similarities are amazing. The kind of people, men and women, that go into this profession are very similar. There are personality traits that are very similar. So to answer your question, when I felt like there was this thirst, like, oh, wait, there's somebody else in the world that has this wild ride that I have that's doing what I'm doing. What is, what is it like there? What's it like for them? What kind of things are they dealing with? Those are the kinds of questions that we got. It wasn't really to share intellectual property or to hear how somebody else was doing it. It was just, it was more like, holy mackerel, I never really thought about other people doing it in different parts of the country in these different settings. Uh, and we would always say, you know, it's amazing how similar it all is. If if I didn't have parts in my film that traveled to the next state, you'd think you were, you could have been in a one city block or shot the whole thing in one darn ER, mm -hmm. you know, or emergency department. Because it it's amazing the technology is all there and there's a certain kind of um there's just a kind of energy about emergency nurses that i hadn't i hadn't encountered before and that is very very similar you can go through something traumatic and at first it really took me aback because you know a nurse would like be like coming out of just like the worst thing i'd ever seen or i'd be in a puddle on the floor and she'd be like Wow, I think I can make dinner. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, but it, and at first I was like, how do they even do that? And then I thought, wait a minute, there's no way to get through the day and not do that. You have to do that. If you took it inside every time someone died or, you know, something happened that was life-changing, which is every day, uh, you wouldn't be able to get through the day. And so it's a, it's such a fascinating group of people to me that do this work it really is so you've already you've said that that there's a personality type that you've seen in er nurses so that there's the er phenotype how would you distinguish what you see in the er nurse from what you've met in say the icu nurse or the neonatal nurse or all the other nurses before you decided to specialize in er nurses you mean what I what I saw before I started and what I actually yeah. found? Yeah, did you see that when you were studying the American nurse more in general, you you met a, a large swath of people, and then as you started moving closer to the ER, did that type of person winnow into a, a narrower category of? Do you see a certain personality trait that seems to sure. be a necessary component for an ER nurse? Yeah. So when we were doing the um, let's see, was it American nurse or Defining Hope? I I met a nurse in the emergency department at Johns Hopkins, and he told me this story of a young girl coming into the emergency department, and um, she had been sh she had taken a stray bullet. She had been shot by mistake in a drive-by, and when he walked into the room, there were like sixteen people around her, and they had opened her chest. And he had, someone was standing there massaging her heart. And here was this young woman on this table and kind of every part of her was being worked on. And when he told me the story, it was so visual, but it was, there was a tone to it that made me wonder how he felt about it. Like, what's it really like? I mean, he was 
struck by the fact that she was a young woman. Um, but it made me, I'm, I'm always interested in the parts of our character at, at, at the extreme. What, what's the nature of humanity? What do we do? What, you know, we can be unbelievably crummy to one another on the street. We're actually pretty good in a disaster. Um, and if it's really bad, we seem to be at our best. And I'm really kind of fascinated by that. Wish we could move the needle on that piece of business. Wish we could just be a little bit better all the time. But at any rate, these huge tragedies that we face, and which is why I think war is, is you know, another place where we, where we see this, people tend to be at their best. So there's this like warrior quality that I think the emergency nurses have um, that's fearless um, May I say hard ass? I mean, it's definitely some like a really tough group of folks that don't necessarily look tough when you meet them. Like, you say, you don't look that tough, <laughs> right? You look like a really, you know, you have flowers. Oh, are those flowers growing out of a heart? It is. What is that? Yes. Oh. Okay. Well, that's creepy. But anyway, <laughs> there's the subversive quality to it. Okay, but for I, I think that's part of the deal, right? I mean, yeah, I think that that's, that's right. part of the coping mechanism. But I tell you one thing that really got me. There is this intellectual stimulation about being faced with something different all day, every day. You're bringing a baby into the world, or you're doing a stroke code, or you've got an opioid overdose, or you've got, a, you've got gun violence. I've never seen... A group of nurses that can do everything like this, and and that is um, that is impressive. The, the 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 intellectual challenge I can only imagine of having to be able to deal with just about anything that can happen to the human body. I I'm fascinated by that. You um, made a comment in the TED talk, I think, about uh, how surprised you were about nurses who said that what they really wanted to see was like the worst possible trauma. And that yeah. resonated with our first episode where we interviewed um, Nurse Donna, who um, is one of Nisa's mentors and has been a charge nurse in a, in a level one trauma center for what, 30 years, Nisa? Mm -hmm. How long has she been had, had been there? Forever. Yeah. And her quote, um, when we asked her, you know, what's your favorite kind of patient was, I want you tore up from the floor up. I want the absolute worst, most complicated trauma I've ever seen so that I can engage all of my intellectual capacities so I can really do that critical thinking and so I can really figure out how do I solve this person's problems? How do I fix this person? And you touched upon that in the, it was either the TED Talk or it was the, uh, the ENA podcast episode that you did recently. And that really resonated with Nurse Donna and her, what she had to say. That's exactly what she... Yeah, I mean, that, I hear that. You know, we, we, in fact, I had it in the film about 15 times. I, almost every nurse said, you know, bring me a trauma. <laughs> bring me something, you know. And, and I, I, I did it so many times that finally my editor was like, listen, you got to take all... You, you, you can't say the same thing like 15 times. Everybody's going to be... So we tried to just do it once. But, you know, the funny thing is... Not funny because there was there was actually very little humor. I think that there is a dark sense of humor that goes on, but um, it's private. I wasn't privy to it. Mm -hmm. um, Interesting. And I respect that. I would have loved a little humor as I spent the last year in emergency rooms, but so uh, we found as we were shooting or filming that um, 
and this is the hardest part about this film, that I was all of a sudden standing by the trauma bay doors, kind of thinking, bring us something good tonight. Ah. And I, I don't think I've ever been in that position where that thought went through my mind and it feels really twisted. Um, it was challenging for me, you know, and they started calling us the white cloud because we would go to a hospital and nothing would happen. I said the word quiet like 9,000 times. I'd be oh, you like, were trying to bring it. You were yeah, trying to bring I was it like, because everybody says this thing, if you say quiet, it's not. I'd be like, wow, what a quiet evening you guys are having. Did it ever this work? Is, Did the jinx ever no, happen? Dang it. It always yeah. backfired. Because you were doing it on purpose. White That's cloud. Yeah, I guess. White but. Cloud. So we would go, like, people talked about it everywhere we went. We would, and, you know, I've got a crew that's standing there for a 12-hour shift with camera equipment and sound equipment hanging off their bodies, and we're all standing there like, bring us something here. <laughs> and and you feel, um, it isn't a good feeling. I, I didn't feel good about that. But by the same token, I want the American public to understand what the hell is going on in emergency departments across America? And so if we didn't do this and show as much as we possibly could, they weren't going to get it. So um, it, it brings out an interesting side of human nature on, on all fronts. It's kind of horrifying and scary. It's got a little rubbernecking quality to it. Like, let me see that. Um, and but But I think that the difference between my position and the position of everybody that's in the emergency department trying to help that person is that they're trying to save a life. And, and, and I saw people pull out all the stops night after night after night, no, not giving up to keep on going no matter what. It was impressive. I think that that's one of the things about emergency nursing is that there's nothing that's off limits. We will ask you any question. We will look at any of your body parts. We will, um, you know, from prisoners to babies to centenarians to public officials, no one is immune from emergencies. And so sometimes people mistake that emergency nurses are jack of all trades, master of none. You know, we hear that a good bit. Because we do cardiac and neuro and psych and peds and all of those other things that are that are different nurses' specialties. But what you described about that emergency moment when they come rolling in and it's time to do something, either it's a code stroke or a, a, a code STEMI or a trauma, that is the specialty. Yeah. It's that emergency moment, real or perceived, and I'm sure you saw that, where people came in thinking they were having an emergency, and that's all that matters is that they think it is, when we all know it's just a twisted ankle or a sore throat. But a perceived emergency is also our specialty. Um, and and people don't get that outside of, of the emergency department. They just think that we're kind of like, halfway how about everything but but really it's that emergent moment and those emergent hours that is where we shine and where we step in um so i think that and then you know womb to the tomb it's 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 everything every diagnosis every patient population um is open for us and that's the way we like it it's like you said uh we want to be not surprised at what rolls through the door, but we just don't want to take care of the same patient twice. We want it keeping us on our toes. I, I think that opens up kind of the other half of what I witnessed, 
and you touched upon it, you know, the people who come in covered with poison ivy head to toe and the people that are coming in with sprained ankles is a, is a great part, a great way to look at it. And that's a very much a part of it too. And that was surprising to me to get a good dose of how much we're using the emergency department for as a community health center. And we witnessed that in a lot of places, that and what it's like for the uninsured and what it's like for behavioral health patients and, uh, you know, all of these places where nobody has anybody else to go, which is the other thing that, you know, the, the traumas are exciting and they're thrilling in their own way. And I can't even imagine what it feels like to save a life. I, I've seen people do it now, um, but I can't imagine what it's like to, like, Talk about purpose in your everyday life, man. Uh, that that kind of takes the cake uh, it, in my book. Um, but there's also all of these other people that need to be cared for, and they're all landing in the emergency department. Mm-hmm. And so that's a very, very real thing that I wanted to make sure that we addressed. And I love that, that you deal with everybody the same, that it it is their emergency. They came in, and you're there to help them. I you know, I just think that's, I think that's so valuable. We, Lisa Frank is the producer of this project and we've been working together for over 10 years and and she has developed the same kind of <clears throat> almost weird fascination that I have for nurses. <laughs> um, and we, we spent a little time thinking, what would it be if there weren't any emergency nurses? If you just took them away, what mm. would we do? I mean, we'd be so sunk. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Where would people go? What yeah. would they do? How would we manage? You know, from the moment of triage, nobody realizes that nurses are the ones who figure out where we're supposed to go when we go into the ED. Mm-hmm. You know, from that moment, they're the ones saying, well, you're going to die in 10 minutes, but you're not. Mm-hmm. And this is important work. I, you know, I'm just obviously impressed and stunned at this profession. Thank you so much. I know that you did, I imagine, hundreds of hours of recording, and of course that can't all be included in the final product. Is there anything that was really close to being included that ended up not being that you want to tell us about? or? Oh, so many things. Mm-hmm. You know... Um, it's not, it's, I never had the camera rolling, you know, again, this, this permission and protecting privacy is, it was made this film complicated to, to do. Um, so, you know, if I wasn't permitted to film or see what was going on, you know, sometimes you're off in a waiting room or you're wherever you are, but you witness the families Mm -hmm. and, I think it's not it's not something I filmed, but it's something as I was waiting for permission or for someone else, you know, that would I would be able to tell their story. We were often just in the same space with others. We are not equipped emotionally to handle a lot of these things that we go through and I often wondered when I what what I did have the privilege of going in and seeing um, how how people were how their lives were saved. I wished everybody could see that because 
when we sit in a room and say, oh, do everything, do everything you can for my loved one, we just have no idea what that looks like. There isn't a television show on the planet that gets it right. And in fact, they make it look a lot easier than it is mm -hmm. to bring someone back who's died. And, and I, I think that does us all a great disservice. So if there's something I wish was in the film that there was no way to get permission for or, or legal access to, it would have been a story like that, a story where, where everybody worked so hard and, and you just know, boy, I bet if we could bring that family member in here, they would say, stop, mm -hmm. don't do this. Mm -hmm. And, and that might be a good thing. And I don't know. I mean, I, I, it's not my place to pass judgment on that or even think about it. The, the jobs of the emergency nurses are to do the work that they do, it, it, no matter what that takes. And that is a beautiful thing. If, if it was my child, I'd be the one there yelling, do everything, or mm -hmm. my husband or my loved one. Mm -hmm. um, but we need to start to learn what that looks like. So I, I'm sorry, I, I can't have something like that in the film, but there would never be a legal way to do that or sure. an appropriate way. It is amazing that you said that. My biggest passion in nursing um, and, and ER nursing is family presence at the bedside during resuscitation. Um, we have a policy at my department. It happens sometimes, right. you know, that, that a family will be invited to come and be there. And that's something that we've done an entire episode on. We're big, big proponents on it. And it's because I did the research and found out that this was both good for the family, the patient, and the caregivers. Yeah. Um, so I became a real proponent for it. And then our other college roommate that we lived with uh, took ill suddenly. And I went to her bedside, and she coded. And they tried to kick me out. And I said, absolutely not. I will, you know, I will be with her till her last breath. That's as important as the first breath. And we yeah. bring people in on those first breaths. And so uh, then it turned, kind of turned more uh, into now it's my passion, now it's my hill. And not all families can do it and not all situations are appropriate for it. Most situations probably are though. And many times they will come in and see this is not what grandpa would have wanted or I just want to be able to hold their hand for these last few minutes if that's all we're going to have. That's a really beautiful sentiment that you, uh, that you, that you found. As you were working with the ER, uh, did you encounter any hospitals that had a family presence at the bedside policy? Sure, sure. And it was, and it was usually the way you just said it, you know, that, that there's a policy and it, sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't. And I've been in those moments where I don't know how you're going to, who's, who are you going to send out of the room to go get someone right, yeah. because right. everybody's on hand. Right. So I, 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 I see when it's potentially not possible to do, but, but yeah, I think, um, and thank heavens, this is your passion, Nisa. I think it's a, it, it will help our end of life situation enormously. Um, I think it is better for everybody, and I think it helps people heal a lot faster. It does, um, and and it's critical. And we just have to we just have to kind of get used to it. But isn't it great that we're talking about it? I mean, we, nobody was even talking about this a few years ago. But again, at the risk of being repetitive, the technology 
we can do so much. So if we don't bring in the human component, uh, someone on the outside, somebody who loves that person, because it's so, I, I see how it happens, you know, um, all these really smart people gather around with their entire toolbox to save this life. And frankly, if I was taken into the emergency room, I really don't want everybody to like stop and say, oh, does she have her advanced directive while I'm bleeding out or whatever's happening, right? Mm -hmm. You want people to get like, get it together and move quickly, but we need to have some sort of understanding of what we're doing. And the only way is to show people and to talk to people. So if you're doing that and we can talk about it here and hopefully we've got some inkling of, you know, a little bit of it in our film. Um, you know, we can start to move the needle on that. And that's what we're going to have to do as technology, as we're able to do even more and more mm, that's to right. the human body. Mm, it's very that's important. Right. Critical, really. Mm-hmm. Well, I am so grateful that you had Nurse Joanne that flipped your switch on nurses. Mm-hmm. I, I'm glad she helped you through your, your cancer diagnosis and that you came out the other end to be the eyes and the, the mouth for nurses and specifically for emergency nurses. I'm really excited about this project and the things that you have to say, and I can't wait for the ER nurses to hear about it. Can you tell us, like, I know it's early 2020. Is that what we're shooting? Yeah, so... Um... We are like so knee deep in footage right now that I'm happy just to be talking about something other than the edit for a half an hour. Um, look, I, I have a film that that I think that the emergency nurses are 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 going to be able to relate to, and and if 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 anything I ever does makes someone remember why they became a nurse or makes you feel good about being a nurse, that's huge. That in itself is enough of a reward for all of this. Um, but I have to confess, my mission is a little bit different than that and, and beyond that. I, I am really hoping to get um, the American public to see that in the emergency departments, we have all of these issues our country is dealing with converging. Everything from the opioid crisis and gun violence into behavioral health and the uninsured. I mean, all of these things are happening right there, and it's a it's kind of a wonderful lens to see what's going on in the country. Um, so I am trying to make a film um, that straddles these worlds. It's as difficult to create that film, I think, as it is for an emergency nurse to go out to dinner after they've been working for 12 or 14 hours and all the things that you've seen. People don't really want to see it. We've, we do these kind of test groups with my footage. Um, and in the beginning, I was like, listen, you know, we've made this film. We got to show people what's going on. So get, you know, I've got my, I'm looking at my cameraman, like get in there closer. You know, I got to, mm-hmm. we got to see that. He's like, oh, and, <laughs> but we do. We, so we got all this like gruesome footage, right? Um, but it, for me, it wasn't gruesome. It was just real. Like you got to know what's going on. And then we would show it to a test group of people that were just laymen and people are watching it with their hands over their eyes and looking for a bucket. You know, I mean, it was just like, I realized, you know, I can't, I can't put that film out there because the only people that will be able to see it are emergency nurses. So, um, I've tried to really dial the film back and not lose any of the message 
And that's the, I'm finding that balance to be really, really interesting. I, I don't want to lose the grasp on emergency nursing that it has, but at the same time, I need to be able to capture uh, the audience. And, and, you know, it's a, it's a tough, it's a tough thing in, in a way, because it's a lot of, I wanted the emergency department to, to be the star of the film. I wanted to say, this is what's going on in all these different parts of the country. It doesn't matter where you are there. The opioid crisis affects everybody. The gun violence is everywhere, you know, and, and these are the people who are caring for us every day. I mean, to me, you're heroes, just plain and simple. You, you truly are, and, and even more so after this film, if it is possible. So um, long answer to your question is, yes, the film will be out by early 2020. Because <laughs> um, eventually I just have to stop working on it. <laughs> Someone's going to have to take it out of her. Yes, yeah, like, that's it. <laughs> it's done. It'll be Lisa stop Frank, the producer. She'll yeah. be the one. She'll be like, that's it. I'm cutting you off. <laughs> Everybody needs a Lisa as a producer. Yes. Yes. My job yes. On this podcast, Lisa so. producers are the best. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, Keeps we want to thank you so much for giving us some t- of your precious time and uh, uh, talking with us about this. We're so excited about this project. I know I I love that your audience is lay people, um, and I know that ER nurses are are going to love to share this with their their community that's outside of ER nursing as well as ER nursing. So I just wanted to mention a few things where our listeners can find you. First of all, we're going to see you in Austin. I'm super excited. You'll be giving the keynote address there um, and mentioning your project. For everybody else who is listening, that is at the Emergency Nurses Association Conference in Austin from September 27th to October 2nd. That's right. So we will both be there. So we will see you there. Any listeners that are attending, we've already asked them to to meet with us and find us so we can have a taco together. Um, And we will have links in our uh, show notes to your website for Carolyn Jones Productions, uh, where they can find the American Nurse Project, both the film and the book. Every nurse needs this book. Uh, So if you have someone on your gift list, this is the perfect gift for any nurse. May I just say one thing? Mm -hmm. The proceeds for the book go to nurse scholarships that were set up by the American Nurses Foundation. And they also get the proceeds from the American Nurse film and Defining Hope, the film about end of life. And it's important because I think people don't, you know, it's a big photography book and it's expensive. And I think people... Uh, it, it can feel good about that because really 100% of the book proceeds go to the nurse scholarship. So thank you. We're proud of that. Yes. Um, your Ted talk will also be included. And I just wanted to mention that too, on your website is a beautiful photo gallery of a, a lot of nurses and patients, but also non nursing things that are equally as beautiful to look at some beautiful artwork that you do. So thank you. I, um, I appreciate what you're doing just beyond this hour that you spent with us, but the, the scholarships and the the films and but most importantly the that you have become the ears and the eyes and the voice for for particular emergency nurses i this is really important i'm so excited for our listeners to hear it well i'm trying to give you the voice and not be the voice and i hope that i hope that that's part of what i'm doing that's really really important to me i I, I'm not speaking for you. I'm just trying to reflect what you do so that people can really understand the enormous value. The, the American public would benefit greatly from perking up their ears when a nurse speaks. That's my feeling. Thank you. Yeah, that's perfect. 
Thank you so much for joining us. And sure. we will see you in Austin in a couple of weeks. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thank uh, you. This was yay. fun. Nice to talk to you both. Thank Great. you so much. Still can't get over that picture back there with the heart and the flowers. But <laughs> I think it's beautiful. Mine's more congenial. It's a bunch of little toys. <laughs> in, its own, in its own special way. Yes, its own special way. It's beautiful. That's great. All right. I'll see you soon, ladies.